this is Angela Pretum with my new single, Hidden Wings, available on Apple Music and Spotify, or click the link in the show notes. Hello, everyone. I'm Shagilola Salami. It's the Shagilola Salami Show. It's a podcast show set in a virtual cafe. It's about books and publishing, but probably not the way you imagine if this is your first time listening to the show. We have guests, both authors and non-authors, come on the show to either hopefully share their expertise, teach us something new, motivate us, or inspire us. Um, The non-authors would typically recommend a book that they feel, you know, goes with their specialty that you may want to read up on to find more information about the topic that we're going to end up discussing today. But, you know, for those who've been listening to the show, you know, no two episodes are ever the same and we can never plan how the show would end up. So, you know, I'm looking forward to another interesting um, conversation. If this is your first time listening to the show, please do subscribe. Please do share it with everyone in your network. And please do consider leaving a review of the show too. I do like lots of reviews. I like re- reading people's comments. So, but yeah, so it's, it's a virtual cafe. Um, I'm going to have my very favorite hot chocolate, extra milky, extra chocolatey. Um, who have I got here in the cafe with me? Hi, my name is Tanja and I'm a certified sleep consultant for children um, I help families and I, by coaching them and supporting them using evidence-based behavioral techniques to get their children to learn to self-soothe and sleep independently, which translates into sleeping a 12-hour night or sleeping through the night. Um, I am a mother of three children. One of my children, the middle one, had sleep issues, and that's how I got started in this. Um, just understanding on the emotional level, the stressful level of a child not sleeping through the night and what that can do on the adult and on the family unit um, as far as having that peaceful household um, throughout the day. Um, I am also a... I live in Alabama, which is in the United States, and I have... um, a military background and my husband's in the military so we travel a lot and I like to see different cultures and learn about different cultures. Cool well before we start you know and I start sort of trying to learn more you know about what a sleep consultant does you know it is a virtual cafe what what is your poison when you go to say Starbucks what would you normally order? Well, I like cold drinks, so I would probably order some type of uh, peach raspberry flavored black tea over ice, and I absolutely love chocolate croissant. (laughs) (laughs) I've always wanted to say that, croissant. (laughs) No, seriously, right? No one has ever ordered a croissant here, ever right the fancy thing now i prefer plain butter croissant but Mm -hmm. no one else orders it so it was like you just spoke to my thoughts (laughs) (laughs) yes finally three years and so let me see three years and how many months that three and a half years i finally get one croissant lover yay (laughs) (laughs) okay well whilst we're getting you your virtual you know croissant and um drink uh, i'm curious what so 
Okay, so I'll start right. See, when I when I listen to conversations or when I read comments on my local um, mommy group on Facebook, right, I mm-hmm. always seem to think that my daughter made being a parent really easy for me mm-hmm. because, like, there was one day this guy who his son and my daughter they used to go to the same play group, right. And one day he then put on Facebook that sleep deprivation is a form of torture. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't help laughing, right? But then my daughter, she would, she never, even when she was a baby, right? She Uh didn't like sleeping by herself on the bed. She needed me to be on the bed with her. Mm -hmm. But as long as she's on the bed with me, she would sleep 12 hours straight. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the problems the parents used to say, oh, they woke up at, you know, several times throughout the night. You know, I didn't have any of that. But then I always wondered if it was because my daughter was breastfed. So I needed to have her when she was a baby next to me because then it was just easy to just pop out the booby and just put it <laughs> out. Oh, yes. Um, you know, there's all types of, you know, personalities out there right and you know maybe you know you and your daughter had the perfect connection as far as like personality wise like you were able to sleep with her in the bed and she was you know definitely loving sleeping with you in the bed I just couldn't I I'm a light maybe because I'm a light sleeper I could not sleep with my kids in the bed with me it it caused me to wake up a lot and um, you know I'd always wake up and check on them or you know, just be paranoid about them in bed. So it was not, I couldn't do that. And there's a lot of parents out there who do sleep, co-sleep and they, you know, they love it and it works out great. Um, But then there's, you know, a portion of parents out there who have tried it and it's not working out or the baby is still waking up even though they're co-sleeping. And so it's just very, very, you know, stressful when you don't get that full eight hours that you need or, you know, six, whatever, you know, amount of sleep you need as an adult. And when it's broken up into pieces, you know, you wake up after two hours and then after that you wake up after five hours, that can be more, you know, detrimental on you than just staying up all night. Like I should have just stayed up all night because at least... (laughs) you know, I wouldn't be feeling the whole groggy, wake up, go back to sleep, wake up, go try and go back to sleep, you know? So, um, the broken up sleep is what is really, you know, like challenging for adults to endure. So, so that guy was very correct. then when he said, that's a, that's a form of torture. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Um, sleep deprivation is, definitely torture. I mean, if you think about it, sleep translates and affects all parts of your life, your body, and your lifestyle. So your health, your physical health, like when you're not sleeping well, it can affect you medically. Um, It can affect you psychologically and emotionally. And it also affects your quality of life, you know, how you live day to day, and then your safety, you know, you can't get out and drive on the road if you hadn't been sleeping very well because you're not going to be a very you know alert driver you're going to miss things so sleep is that one constant that 
you know, is really detrimental. And that's what I try to educate people on, you know, I'm a sleep advocate. So I'm like, we have to, you know, try to get the sleep that we need, our bodies need, you know, based on what's recommended by research or what's recommended um, by your doctor, you know, it's very important. Okay, so tell us about your son, like, you know, because I think if I remember correctly, you said that's how you got into the process of becoming a sleep consultant. Yes. So like I said before, my older son is 13 years apart from my middle son. So um, like you experienced with your daughter, my older son, uh, we didn't have to sleep and, you know, co-sleep. He, you know, figured out how to sleep somehow, maybe something I was doing, I don't know. But he slept, you know, through the night pretty early on. So I didn't even know anything about this whole sleep deprivation. I'm like, what? I didn't have that. And so as I was pregnant with my second child and I was like, oh, you know, I've been a mom already. I already know what's going on. What, how did you <laughs> Uh No. Okay. That didn't happen. Second baby was born and he was all kinds of everything thrown at me. So he was colicky baby. So if you've heard of that, that's like, when your baby cries, 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 and you can't soothe them, yeah, uh, there's nothing wrong with them. Uh, he had that, <laughs> and then we had issues with nursing. Uh, I wasn't able to nurse my first son, so I was, you know, determined to do the nursing and breastfeeding with this one. And we had issues with that. You know, if you everything, anything you can think of can go wrong with nursing happen. <laughs> um, and then he wasn't sleeping. Like after he was born, you know he was wide awake from then. I don't even know if he slept, you know, after 48 hours, like, I don't even know if he slept at all. He was just up. And, um, it was funny because the nurses would come in and check on me, you know, the first, uh, 24 hours and say, Oh, he's still up. I'm like, yeah, how do I get him to sleep? And they would just laugh and walk away. I'm like, no, seriously, how do I get this baby to go to sleep? Um, and so I just started out being exhausted from the beginning. But after we got the nursing figured out, because, you know, there's lactation consultants, right? That help yeah. With and then the colic um, resided, you know, usually it's around like the three month when their digestive system matures is what my doctor told me would happen. And it happened. He, the colic um, subsided and he got a lot better with that. No more crying, um, like when not being able to be uh, cuddled and calmed down. But he was still sleeping every, he would wake up every three hours. And so that's when, um, you know, time goes on. And when he turned 11 months, he still was waking up every three hours. And I was like, he can't be hungry. <laughs> but I was still, you know, trying to feed him. And he would fall right back to sleep right after I nursed him. And so um, finally, I, one week shy of his one-year-old birthday, my friend, who five months prior to his one week birthday, one week before his birthday, she told me about sleep coaches. And I was like, oh, he'll grow out of it. And I'm like, he's not growing out of it. So I contacted her and I was like, can you give me the number to your sleep coach or, you know, tell yeah. me more. And so when I finally hired one, um, at night four, he slept 12 hours in the night. So his one year old birthday present was sleeping through the night. <laughs> So I, after that, I said, oh my goodness, because I just thought he would be that one child that wouldn't, it wouldn't work for. Yeah. So um, 
if it could work for him, I was like, oh my gosh, this could work for anybody. And so I just decided to just tell the world about this and tell parents they don't have to wait till their child's six years old to sleep well. You know, you could do it right from the beginning. So. Interesting. So what was involved in you becoming a sleep coach? Like, did you have to go to college, university? How did that work? Well, it's a certification process and it's three months long. So I had to go, um, I trained with the Sleep Sense program with Dana Obelman. So I had to go to uh, Sarasota where the headquarters is, Sarasota, Florida. And we went there for a few days, met Dana, um, went through a lot of the material. And then we had three months of um, material through web and, um, you know, mentor calls and things like that. So we got trained that way. And it was a great process. And, um, you know, we had to have our, um, you know, our kind of like internship type of thing where we take on people okay. um, before we graduate and, um, you know, start from there. And it was, uh, it was a great program. And I'm still involved with the program today. So, you know, I call them my sleep sisters. Yeah. And we go have a, a conference every year, a continuing ed conference. And, motivational type of thing every year so I look forward to that <laughs> oh cool so now let's say there's a parent listening to this um and they're like oh my god you know what this woman is talking about everything that I'm going through what are the first steps you know to trying to get a child who's having difficulty sleeping all through the night what are the first thing you know what are the first things you would tell a parent well, the basic things that I um, ask parents to put into place, um, if they've never worked with a sleep coach and they've never tried anything, and uh, even if they've read a couple books, but they haven't really implemented anything, um, you know, I would always go back to bedtime routine. Um, bedtime routine has been heavily researched and has been shown to increase melatonin production in the brain um, because it's one of those things that's supposed to be consistent done around the same time the same place the same way every night and this is how your child learns oh um after this happens then we go to sleep so it's like that so building building that behavioral association between um the routine getting ready and then laying down and going to sleep so definitely push for them to uh, incorporate a bedtime routine and sticking with it as best as possible um, around the same times every day, every night. Um, and a correlation of that, you can also do nap routines before they need a nap. Um, and so that's, that's the main thing that I would um, push for, for them to get started, for sure. So what's, can you give us an example of a nap routine? Sure. So um, a nap routine is only about five minutes long. Um, bedtime routine is about 30 minutes long because it's at night, it's a little longer. So nap routine would consist of um, maybe the sim similar book or same book that you read at bedtime, but you would read it at nap, uh, nap time, uh, singing a song, um, you know, whatever, extra cuddles, whatever you and your baby like to do. Um, you know, I would incorporate that. And maybe if they're in a sleep sack, if they're a little younger, you know, that would be part of the process and getting them um, down. The one thing that you don't want to do before in a bed, in a night nap time routine is issue a feed. Um, the feeding is 
usually we want to move that to after the nap because of the feed and sleep association. Uh, what I mean by that is uh, feeding a baby to sleep. Most people do that. Um, and what that does is that communicates to the baby that I need this boob or I need this bottle before I go to sleep. When in actuality, they don't need those things. Those things are for feeding and um, sustenance, right? <laughs> for yeah. hunger. And you would do it after the nap so that they don't um, get confused on what they really need that bottle for. Um, and this, you know, this is a dynamic that a lot of people, um, you know, may not feel is, you know, because, you know, you feed your baby and it's like, oh, well, they're going to sleep. This must be, you know, what you're supposed to do. Um, but, you know, in actuality, it doesn't uh, help, you know, with the sleep. It, what it does is causes them to fall asleep before they get in the bed and then they wake up. Uh, sometimes they wake up instantly when you put them down. Like I hear parents tell me, oh, they just burst out crying. And it's because they've actually entered into stage one or stage two light sleep and um, you've just interrupted them by putting them in the bed. So you always want to put them in the bed awake so that they're cognizant of what, what's going on and that they can get themselves, learn to put themselves to sleep that way. Cool. That sounds, that sounds very interesting. Right? See, if I just copped out, you know, I was like, you know what, let's just get into bed together you can have the booby when you fall asleep i will get up because it was just hard but no so that was my get out of jail card i was like you know what i'm just tired i'm just not i'm not going to fight this battle it's a losing battle oh yes uh, i hear that a lot you know and i you know i was there too i you know get the baby to sleep as best as you can um, the problem is that some babies won't stay asleep. <laughs> They'll just wake up again after half an hour or after an hour um, when you don't let them fall asleep on their own. Um, they become dependent on whatever it is that put them to sleep to put them back to sleep because uh, baby's sleep cycle is only about an hour. And so you can think about it uh, after they go through all the stages of sleep and REM sleep, they're, you know, getting to their light sleep phase. They may just wake right on up because it's light you know, in the light sleep. And so um, it's important that they understand how to go back to sleep. Um, and a lot of times they don't know how to go back to sleep. So they'll just cry or they'll ask for that, you know, pacifier or boo or the bottle or whatever put them to sleep to begin with. And they'll need that to go to sleep. So I teach those independent skills so that they don't need those things to go to sleep and they can go to sleep on their own. Yeah, no, that sounds that sounds really, really sensible. Uh, wish I knew all of that. You know? <laughs> I do know that in the UK, for instance, and this is me just sort of listening to conversations on my local mommy group. I just copped out, right? And you know, <laughs> there are different sort of um, schools of thought. Some people said it's important to let children cry out, and then some others say no, don't let the children cry out. So where do you stand? Well, I'm kind of in the middle. So um, I do agree that, you know, you want to, because as a parent, because I've gone through it, <laughs> I want the gentle approach. You know, I don't want to let them cry for too long or all night. But I also understand that a little bit of crying is important. Um, crying is the way that they communicate. Crying is the way that 
I have seen so far in these last two years of doing this business is that how we've seen how babies, you know, figure, figure out on their own how to do this, how to get to sleep. It's crying of frustration. Like, I, mom, I want that bottle. I want that boot because it helps me go to sleep. I need that to go to sleep. But uh, once they learn how, what they need internally to go to sleep, then it's beautiful to watch how they, you know, the crying, you know, you might have it the first night, the second night, but usually it resolves around the third or fourth night. And then you can see how they don't cry as much and they actually go right to sleep. Um, so I'm kind of like middle of the road there. Um, I don't have an issue with either camps, but, um, but I do feel like, you know, they could use each other, you know, even yeah. though as as they so want to controlled say. crying, basically, not just crying for the yeah. second, but controlled crying. Yeah, yeah, just like that, controlled crying. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, what what books have you found to that you feel that is, in your professional opinion, is you know, is probably should I say most helpful? That because there are lots of resources out there, and I think sometimes new parents get overwhelmed because they're like, "What should I read? What shouldn't I read? What is helpful? What is the latest, you know, train of thought? What is you know, you know?" There's just a lot of information out there. Um, so, what would you recommend? Well, I absolutely love. It's a 600-page book, though. But <laughs> um, Doctor Weisbluth, he's a medical doctor. He wrote "Healthy Sleepy ha- Healthy Sleep Habits, Happy Child." Um, I really love that book. Um, it does. You know, I get a lot of um, inspiration and material from there. Uh, when I work with families, like if I have a challenging case or something like that. Um, I also really love The um, the Secrets of a Baby Whisperer by Tracy Hogg. Um, she's like a, they called her the baby whisperer. She's a night nanny that tells you how to, you know, get your baby sleeping well. Um, and those are like the really two books that, that I really, really refer to and that I enjoy reading um, when it comes to um, getting babies to sleep. Oh, cool. So if you were going to leave um, any parents, you know, who's listening to this, you know, five actionable steps, five tidbits that they can take away from you, what would they be? Well, um, I definitely talk about this often when I do my public speaking segments um, as far as what parents can do to get their parent, their, get their kids to sleep. Um, here are some of the ones that I go over. So the bedtime routine is what I talked about earlier. That's definitely something that's important. Um, getting a, like I said, the bedtime routine, probably about 30 minutes. If you have more than one child, um, it could take up to 45 minutes to start. But the key part of the bedtime routine is that bath or the wash up, um, before you start everything. Um, and you can also do your feed. You can do one feed in the bedtime routine um, because it's a little further out and it's the last feed of the day, really. Um, and sleeping independently is one thing that um, I talk about a lot. Babies needing to learn to fall asleep um, without external props. And those props um, touched on a little bit earlier like pacifier needing pacifier to sleep needing to be fed to sleep um you know anything that the child absolutely needs to go to sleep that you have to get up and give to them each time 
um, that would be a prop because we want the child to learn independent skills, um, which will in turn, like they'll get that internal prop, you know, whether it's rolling over or adjusting themselves, you know, shoulders, hips, whatever, um, to get to sleep. Yeah. Uh, now, early bedtimes, uh, that would be another one. So a lot of people um, are surprised by this, but um, I, I usually recommend bedtime between 6 and 8 p.m. Um, for a long time. Uh, you know, even up to like a 7.30 bedtime can last from six months of age all the way up to uh, four or five, you know. Um, so the bedtime, early bedtimes are good because children wake up so much that, or wake up early, that you have to keep in mind that, you know, they need that 12 hour or 11 hour um, sleep at night. And so you got to correspond it with an earlier bedtime so they can get that, that time to sleep. Okay. Um, and then as far as night feeds go, uh, you want to make sure that uh, if the baby is younger, usually at six months is when, is when your pediatrician will say, oh, they don't need to feed in the night anymore. That's like the average age. So all babies before that, you want to do your night feeds, keep them low key. Um, try not to um, turn all the lights on and to make a loud noises, you know, keep it low, low key so that baby can get their feed and then put them back in the bed awake. So don't let them fall asleep. If they fall asleep, gently wake them up a little bit, put them back in their bed so that they can um, find their way to their own sleep journey. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, um, sleep begets sleep. So try not to skip any naps. Um, try not to let bedtime go past, you know, uh, if it's between six and eight, don't let it go past the time that you've chosen uh, for like a consecutive amount of days so we understand you know you have like errands or you've gone to like a family party or dinner party or something and your kids are with you uh yeah they might go to bed late that one night but don't make it a habit of going to bed too late um, and try not to skip naps if you can help it um, because it'll follow you for the next 24 hours so you'll have the tantruming and the the crying and, you know, the tiredness, the overtiredness, um, until they catch up on that, that sleep that they lost. Okay. So, what, what age range would you say your advice is for? Um, I would say between the ages of, uh, zero and about four or five years old. Right. Okay. Because I was trying. As you were talking, I was thinking about my four-year-old, and I'm like, "Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't work." <laughs> you know, because we've yeah. got this thing where our clock has gone an hour ahead now. Because I don't know who decided that they needed to be changing oh. the clock every year. But yeah. you know, that's that's outside of this conversation, right? So my daughter's body clock is still programmed to gmt and not british summertime so no. when i tried to get her to go to bed at 8 p.m gmt her body is still no at 8 p.m british summertime her body is still 8 p.m is still 7 p.m gmt and she refuses she goes nope and it is mm -hmm. not yet bedtime right <laughs> 
Oh yeah. So daylight savings time, we have this as well twice a year in the U.S. So it's very, we're like, why do we do this? It doesn't make sense anymore. Um, yeah, it does take about a week to, for their body clocks to adjust to the new time. Um, so that is a big issue here too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, you know, give her a week to adjust and then um, try it, you know, try to. Oh, see, because poor, right? It's not even the time that she needs to adjust. It's she's looking outside. And because mm -hmm. when we get to, you know, proper summer, right, like mm -hmm. 10 p.m., it's still sunny. So it's like now <laughs> about eight o'clock, nine o'clock, it's still sunny. So she's looking outside and she's like, but it's not dark yet. Why are you making me go to bed? So every night we're having this. Oh. That Yes, I know it is not dark, but it's bedtime. And it's like, am I going to do this all summer? And this is she's <laughs> only four, right? This is yeah. the first time it's really sinking right. into our head what is actually going on in the world. So mm. I'm like, seriously, every night it's like, and I can't really, her logic, because I'm a very logical person, makes sense. Because yeah. it's sunny outside. It is bright outside. Why are you making me go to bed? <laughs> yes. So uh, what I usually recommend for parents is kind of a preparation period to where you're, you know, you prep them uh, beforehand and say, all right, um, in about an hour, we're gonna be getting ready for bed. So we need to start winding down. Um, we've got blackout blinds um, or curtains inside of, the, uh, inside of the room, the bedrooms. It keeps the bedrooms nice and dark, um, even during the day. So um, you'll notice a dramatic difference with that if you have those. Uh, but yeah, just kind of, you know, preparation beforehand. I know older children like uh, need those warning periods and preparation times to understand, um, hey, this is, you know, this is what's going to happen. And, um, you know, you could go as far as like doing, you know, rewards and consequence charts if you feel like it's a really big issue or, you know, if you just feel like she's just kind of um, curious and, um, you know, wanting to know why we have to go to bed, then that, you know, you could just talk, talk her through that, that piece. But um, some parents, you know, um, like the rewards and consequence charts were, um, you know, to make it clear to the child, uh, you know, this is what's going to happen. And this is your warning. And this is the consequence, whether it's, you know, the reward or um, something else that um, not desirable that will happen if they don't follow suit. So, you know, it depends on your parenting style and what you kind of, how you want to translate it to the child as far as uh, what the rules are and why we follow rules and things like that. Mm. It makes sense though. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, I didn't actually know this before this summer because obviously it was never a problem um, before, <laughs> but it was literally when I was reading through the question, uh, comments on my local uh, Facebook parenting group. And then I was like, oh, blackout blinds. Why didn't anybody tell me about it? Like, does everyone else know about this but me, right? So okay. next summer is something that I'm going to um, invest in. But no, yeah, definitely you're quite correct. So with my daughter, so now she goes to bed at 9 p.m. British summertime, which is literally still the eight, you know, it's still the old right. 
8 p.m. So she's refused and it's not budged. And I'm like, you know what? That's fine. We will, we will let that. We will let that. That's a nice compromise because it's yeah. still bright and I don't have blackout blinds. And I didn't know about blackout blinds until it was too late anyway. So, <laughs> so that's... Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, as long as she's, you're not getting up super early in the morning, you know, she yeah. still can get her 11 hours if she goes to bed that late, you know, when they're older like that. Um, just when it's time to go back to school or, you know, when the time changes again, um, you know, you could take a couple of weeks to kind of prep for that or, you know, talk it through, um, you know, however you decide to shift it back if you need to, or if it could just stay eight at that time because it's going to go back to that 8 p.m. later then (laughs) you know that's not an issue either yeah no but then it's going to be dark so like there's no we don't even need to give an explanation it's dark it's bed get into bed (laughs) (laughs) but no it's definitely been quite interesting sort of hearing from a um you know from an expert on this subject that has you know that has literally defeated lots of parents. And I know I'm constantly learning um, about, about this. Um, so yes, no, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your professional insight. But one final question, how mm-hmm. long, so let's say a parent, you know, calls you to say they wanted your services. How long do you think, or what, how long does it take on average for parents to see changes? Uh, for a child that's in, still in a crib, so like three years old and under, uh, we see change in about two weeks. Um, like immediate change we see in the first few days, but then to continue to build the habit takes about two weeks. For older children, um, it could be closer to three weeks for them. Hmm. Okay, so yeah. it's, not a, it's still not an overnight fix, so to speak. No. No, it's not an overnight fix. Um, remember, building when you're building a habit, how long does it take a person to kind of create a new habit and then stick with it? Yeah, we still have to keep it going for a couple of weeks to get the child to soak it in really good. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, it's come to that time of the day uh, where I've got to say goodbye. But any final words of wisdom? Oh, um, well, you know, I just want to talk about a little bit when to know that you need to hire a sleep consultant really quickly. Um, If your child is experiencing those props I talked about, like they just cannot go to sleep without the bottle, the boob or, um, you know, pacifier or being held or rocked or any, any of those things. And they're older than six months and they still need these things. Um, that's probably a good time to reach out for help with that. Um, or as a parent, you know, if you've got postpartum depression or, um, sleep deprivation is really taxing on you. So you've got lots of irritability, brain fog, difficulty concentrating, severe, you know, exhaustion, um, reach out for help. Um, there's help for you to get your child sleeping so that you can get your sleep. Yeah, no, thank you. That sounds um, amazing. So how, if anyone wanted to contact you, how can they reach you? Yes, so um, they could definitely go to my website, um, Tanja, T-O-N-J-A, B as in boy, sleepconsulting.com. There's a contact 
uh, sheet there, or they could just send me a direct email, Tanja, T-O-N-J-A, at Tanja B sleepconsulting.com. Um, those are the two popular ways that people reach out to me. Um, and so, yeah, I respond pretty quickly with, to emails. Um, so just shout out. Cool. And then last question, you recommended, I think it was two books. What are those books called again? Yes. So we have The Secrets of a Baby Whisperer by Tracy Hogg and Healthy Sleep Habits, Happy Child by Dr. Mark Weisbluth. Okay. Are they both um, very widely available? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. These authors have been in the business for years. So they're, they're on Amazon. They're everywhere um, online. Okay, fabulous. Well, it's been an absolute, absolute pleasure um, chatting with you. And hopefully we'll chat with you again sometime soon or you'll bring some more, uh, more interesting insights you know, to help all the parents who are going through child torture. <laughs> <laughs> Child torture that is sleep deprivation. Yes, I would love to. Thank you so much for having me. Well, until next time, and thank you very much. It is the Shagilola Salami Show. Um, if you've listened to the show, please consider um, sharing it with all the parents you know. Um, if you do need um, Tonja services, you know, please go check out her website. You know, she might be able to help you not have me tortured anymore. So until next time, it is the Shagilola Salami Show. Bye now.